0: Huge welcome to the end of season wrap-up. Can you believe we are at the end of season one, Dr. Julie? No. How awesome has season one been? I can't believe we're here already. I think that um, it's only right, though, that we go back over some of our highlights. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, definitely, because we've had six fabulous guests and we did promise that we would go undercover um, and really ask those difficult questions. And I think... Uh, we we found out some really fascinating things so yeah let's have a a listen at some of the highlights
0: before we kick off though I think it's only right that we explain that why the sound probably is a little bit different today because we both had a little if for those eagle-eyed listeners they'll have seen on social media that we got a little bit glummed up and went out last night right
1: we did indeed we did we uh we we hobnobbed with the best of diversity inclusion people that you can do so we were um honored to be invited to the inclusive companies awards in manchester um and there were some fabulous people there so lots of future guests oh
0: yes yeah. a bit of a bit of socializing to get to get the um the guest list book packed ready for future seasons so um thinking then should we start at the top
1: season yeah, well, season 1 yep yeah, we kicked off with Gian. this episode went down really well we had some fabulous feedback uh from gian and his very podcastable voice he was talking about positivity um talking about bringing d and i really back to the business case so let's take a listen at a highlight.
2: and for me in my works so I like to yeah. relate to everything to everybody there's seven billion people on this earth and I think everybody's unique and got their own views and thoughts and life stories and making the topic of diversity feel personal to them in some way makes people engage a lot more mm. So I feel if we keep harping on about the same things all the single time it's got to m- make it relevant to yeah. that's a 50 year old white guy or an 18 year old apprentice who's a young black girl like It's just got to relate to their lives. Otherwise, it is going to sound just generic.
1: Yeah. So, Guyanne, tell us about TLC Lions and how you do that then.
2: Yeah, so, well, TLC Lions, our mission is to humanise the working world through the power of storytelling. Because I truly believe that everybody's got a story. And if we can empower people to understand their stories, it's often the greatest strength they didn't even know that they had. And if we can use those stories, especially within organisations, it can drive forward a culture. A culture being an ever-evolving journey that we're all on so yeah that's kind of what, what we're all about we've got 60 of the world's most powerful storytellers around the world talking about gender equity racial equity you know all the way through to talking around things like hiv the menopause miscarriage things that we need to talk about to make workplaces more human and so yeah our storytellers our lions open up the topics But then it goes a step further and it's like, how do we get everybody to share their story, own their story, own their narrative, and it will really elevate their lives and create the cultures we all need.
1: So it's really interesting that Guillain's take is around that storytelling piece. And quite rightly so, you know, everyone, he says, everyone does have a story. But he always brings it back to the business case, which I find is really inspiring, actually, because we do hear a lot of people tell their personal stories. But actually, how does that relate? Um, So I think, yeah, it was a really interesting episode about being human.
0: I agree. I I think I like the human element. I like the business case because I think often when, especially in times of difficulty or, you know where where a business is going through a difficult time. It's very easy for people to say, "Oh, I haven't got time for for DNI or inclusion or whatever it may be, however they want to word it." And actually, here he goes to show that it just should be part of the day to day, which is what we often talk about.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And we talked about you know how um, people felt that they were getting sick of diversity around diversity fatigue so there's a really good conversation about that so all in all a great episode um and then we spoke to dame kelly holmes
0: Really, like really fearful of coming out and we you know we talk about um the flip side of inclusion being exclusion um and I'm keen to understand was I guess was that fear of coming out was that because of a fear of like being excluded or and and I guess following on from that has coming out publicly like helped you feel more included
3: yeah I think uh having an inner fear anyway for anybody is debilitating and I had a fear for so long in my life because of the ban in the uh, the British mm. Army I was also always fearful of the consequences of me then admitting that I had been gay during a period of time where it was illegal to be gay in the forces so that was ultimately my fear I mm. mean my uh, my parents my Um, best friends, everybody kind of knew so in one side I was living kind of my life really Uh, but on my public life which I hold you know really dear because that's how I got to become Dame Philly Holmes (laughs) it's how people know me it's uh, something that I've always done that I just didn't know a way of being myself within that and that was my fight my battle Mm. Um, when I do I? So did I feel excluded? I felt excluded from so many conversations because I just wouldn't go there, wouldn't have that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have any personal conversations with anyone outside of my friends and family, and it made me feel like I'd always put this big barrier up brick wall I would go when any conversations was happening I would be very sort of friendly and you know I had enough in my life through athletics and army and mental health problems to actually have a conversation without going there if you know Mm. what I mean so it was almost like a it was a safety net but um I needed to do it for myself and that's one of the things that I've felt when I did the documentary it was really important to me that it was done in a really um thought full way for Mm. anybody that's listening because everyone's uh story or say coming out story is going to be very different um being able to do it i mean it's been the best thing ever really you know it's it's certainly i yeah i mean in one way (laughs) in one way it's strange because the first part i was um having a narrative in my head to actually allow myself to be okay with people knowing to allow myself yeah. to just be in an environment that i could just say exactly what i wanted and not be on edge and that's been quite it's been so different to unravel um habit
1: so i found that conversation with dame kelly really intriguing because it seemed to be at the beginning of her coming out story, the first few months, because then as it um, the episode was released and as Dan Kelly then um, was talking and appearing in different shows like Loose Women and um, had articles in Mirror, I think she really blossomed and I think she became more and more confident and you saw and we saw from her social media posts that she was Becoming a re- really ingrained in the LGBTQ plus community, and I think when we spoke to her, that was just beginning. When we spoke to her, you could just see her face
0: just light up when she started talking about um her, like coming out and just this feeling of freedom. And it, you, you know, I think we've all spoken about the episode and and said actually, she's achieved phenomenal things but actually without the fear and without the kind of having to hide a part of her life what great thing you know like how, how much like even like how much greater could she have even been um and that's you know that's not to diminish what she's achieved because she's achieved i mean incredible things but you know If we then bring it back to why we're here and thinking about what we take away from this podcast, you know, if you're if you're thinking about your kind of team or the people you work around or your friends, family, you know, if they feel safe and comfortable with you and around you or in your presence or in your company, whatever it may be, look at what they can achieve. And then for our third guest, yeah, so we had Anna, um. And I'll be honest, I wasn't sure what we were gonna get from this conversation. Um, and actually, there was for me, there was loads of highs. So it was really tricky for me to try and pinpoint a specific like moment takeaway. And actually, I've probably got a couple, and maybe that's just me being a bit greedy. But mm-hmm. the first one, the first one, let's just listen to it.
1: So, so going back to school then, maybe you you must have excelled at science. Was that? Were you taught by female teachers in science, uh, or did you have male? Te- you know, were there any role models as you were growing up to think, yeah, do you know what I can do that?
4: Do you know what my biggest role model wasn't my teachers; it was just my mum, and I mean, she's a female. Um, she, what she was everything. She just it was always her dream to do science and because of the whole revolution in iran and her having to move here she didn't really have the chance to do it and i always enjoyed it anyway so it just made me want to do it even more for her for me for for both of us um i had a mixture of teachers female and male um science teachers but yeah definitely my role model would have been my mom
0: So I just, I, I picked that as my kind of first moment because I think we often talk about, you know, if you can be it, you can see it. And, you know, leading those people in positions above us. But actually that almost like puts it on its head, its head a little bit and just says that, you know, a role model actually can just be somebody that's just got complete belief in you who, who is just showing you a window to a different world. And so actually it doesn't necessarily have to be that person in that like very senior position or whatever like role models come in all different shapes and sizes and I just thought actually it's just one for us all to just be like slightly mindful of maybe
1: yeah I think it brings in this real model uh, perspective so it's a role model sometimes seems unattainable but if we term it a real model then it's somebody that you can feel that you can become or you can have those traits because it's not unattainable um, so I re- I love that, and I love the fact that you're right that when she's talking about her mom, you know, people have very different relationships with their moms, um, and and you can tell that Anna had a or has a great re- relationship with her mom that she she sees that um, and 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 aspires to be like her, um, which I think is really lovely, and I'd hope hopefully my girls would think that at some point, but at the moment they're not in that phase.
0: <laughs> They'll get there. They'll get there. Um, but no, I, I, I agree, I agree. And I think my then my second um, my second moment from that podcast, again, I just got this level of just balance and maturity from Anna that I just I just was actually pretty like blown away by. Um, so let me let me play that for you. Yeah, so in terms of trolling, would you is that something that you've experienced a lot of?
4: Oh, my God. I was the most trolled person. Sorry, I didn't know you were talking about trolling. I thought you meant in terms okay. of like gender inequality on social media. Do I feel like I'm inferior to a male? Um, I actually I, I was. Don't.
1: You were right. I think Natasha was just like, took us, moved us straight oh, sorry. on to trolling.
0: That's all right. Yeah, <laughs> it I gave me the wink, trolling, so I thought, <laughs> you know.
4: I can I can go on about trolling because I, in my year 2019, coming out of Love Island, I was probably one of the most trolled women Coming out of that show, yeah. so I have a lot of experience in trolling, and it's horrible. I must say, it's like it's horrible. It's bullying. I mean, I was bullied in school, but it it you really feel especially being you know like having a high following, and it's constant. Waking up to it mm. throughout the day and night. It's not just like maybe one message, even one message a day. It's horrible. But like getting it constantly is worse
0: and i mean eighty eight percent of people that responded to us said that definitely you know women are trolled a lot more than men, but I mean how do you how do you even begin to kind of deal with that? Do you think
4: at first, it's really hard it really takes its toll on you. I went through periods where it really affected my mental health. I didn't want to get out of the house, you know I didn't want to get out of bed like constantly you know I'm looking at myself in the mirror and judging myself I was getting a lot of I think compared to a lot of the women that go on to Love Island I would say I was more on the curvier side so I was getting a lot of like fat comments like you're fat or I'm not like you know how they always have on these tv shows you know know, the ideal petite girl you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not petite I'm five foot nine I'm curvy and I was getting a lot of like you giant you you're fat and I was even getting, like, weird messages, like, go back to your country, you terrorist, and stuff like that. Mm. It was really weird. Um, obviously, the the looks thing is one thing, and then the personality, that probably affected me a lot more than looks, because, you know, I am the way I am. But my personality, because it was up on, you know, on the TV show and everyone could judge it. You know, people would say, you know, you're, you're a horrible person and stuff like that. That affected me because I just know that, I'm not but obviously it's an edited TV show so people have take what they want but yeah it was it did take its toll on me but slowly you know you learn to deal with these things with the right support system which I was lucky I had um it just got easier and of course the trolling does, di- I mean I definitely still get trolled but it was nowhere near like it was mm. the first you know six months to a year of coming out of the show.
0: So I just like that clip because it just feels like Anna has a really balanced approach to trolling. And whilst, you know, it, it isn't combating the trolling as such, you know, she's taking steps to protect her own well being and mental health because clearly there is a lot of kind of online abuse that she's receiving. But actually, you know, those tips that she shared are are actually really really insightful and I just thought you know just to say you know understand what that that troll whoever they are whoever's saying those unkind comments actually there's a reason why they're doing it and it's probably that they're just really unhappy in their own lives and whilst you know I think that's probably great on the on the good days where your mental well-being is in a good place um it's probably not not as easy on the the, the more difficult days is it
1: no, absolutely. And her tips were really good, specifically around blocking and ignoring them, if you can. I think that's a great shout. So um, thanks for, for highlighting that, that clip. So our um, fourth episode was with ex-Arsenal player Paul Davis, um, which was really interesting, actually. And it, it was picked up online quite a bit. Um, and we talked about his new book. Um so let's listen to a clip that um, was particularly interesting. When we look at the, you know, if we're going to go back to what it actually means. So uh, the dictionary definition of banter is the playful and friendly exchange of teasing remarks. I mean, like. That's just that's just crazy now because banter does not mean that I don't think in in normal everyday conversation. If you talk about banter, mm. then there's definitely two sides to it, um, and and. I was really struck in your book actually paul that um you were talking about dressing room jokes um that sometimes depending on race for their punchlines, um and you were saying someone said to you paul it's only banter get that chip off your shoulder and and i think then viv anderson arrived and he laughed that banter off but mm. you said that you couldn't be so forgiving so tell us a little yeah. bit about that
5: yeah that's that's right i mean back when i was in the dressing room. We're talking a long time ago, probably uh, forty years ago, when I first, um, uh, maybe even longer, forty-five years ago, when I was just trying to make a career for myself at Arsenal. And I entered that dressing room, and I talk about this in the book in detail. So it's it's, it's something that um, I felt at the time, and I even feel now is was really important that personally I act to challenge and I'll talk about how difficult that is um, I, I you know when you're trying to make a way and you're only 16 17 you're in a room where everyone else is different to you um, white middle class you know men who were at the top of their game in their profession as footballers Um there's a a challenge there for me Mm. Um, and how you deal with those challenges as they come along is 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 interesting so you know I chose to challenge it at times when it was right or when I felt I could Uh, you have to pick your moments when you're when uh, when the numbers are against you Mm. so I think that's something that you know you, you kind of just learn to do you have to you can't fight everything, you can't well, challenge everything. And I thought, for me, I, ch- I, I challenged at the right moments that I thought was going to have some kind of um, advantage yeah. uh, in, in doing so. I didn't feel that challenging when it's nothing's good's going to come of it is going to be of any use to me. So I felt I had to pick my battles, as it were, um, and I did challenge. I did challenge. And I look back on it. At the time, I look back on it now, and I think, well, uh, you know, there's something inside. There's something inside you that does things. That, well for me, anyway, I could speak for myself. As you know, I, uh, I've known people that wouldn't challenge stuff, and you know, that's how they are. And so, everyone's different. Sure. Um But for me, uh, if if I can challenge stuff, and I've done it throughout my my life, really, so I, I if I can challenge stuff, I, I will challenge it. Um, obviously I'm not gonna be stupid. I'm not gonna put myself in danger or you know, no, you have to be calculated you have to be calculated in, in defending yourself, I think. And so that's a thought that I've always tried to do that.
1: And I suppose that's where sort of great allyship comes in. And you know, if you're the lone voice in that dressing room and at times you were the only black player, you know, that's where you hope that other people will sort of also stand up and say, Well oh, actually, that's not a funny joke, that's just racism. Yeah.
0: So for me, I selected that as a moment because whilst Paul is reflecting on that time and talking about, you know, being in the dressing room and when there is, you know, what what was considered banter and actually was just racist remarks, um, I don't I, I think it just really it just really sat with me because I don't think in some instances we've actually come that far. And it really just got me thinking, you know, in the world of work right now, you know, we've talked at length, and and you know, there'll be there'll be future episodes where we where we think about different generations, but you know, there's this next generation coming in and 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 their approach to 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 kind of dealing with with racism, whether it be overt or or kind of masked as banter, and actually it still exists. And you know, Paul saying, you know, just have to kind of pick my moments, whether I would challenge it or whether I wouldn't. And, you know, that importance of allies in the workplace to do some of that work for people. And I think the, you know, the, the episode goes on where where you talk about that as well and that importance of allyship.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a boldness now um, that people um, do do confront this type of banter. Uh, that maybe that 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 boldness or that level of boldness wasn't around sort of 20 odd years ago. Um, it's more expected for people to um, question banter or you know jokes that depend on race or another demographic. Um, but I don't absolutely I don't think it's it's been stopped. And I think it absolutely depends on allies making sure that. That if they see something that they call it out.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I think we have to, as as just just as humans, not even necessarily even in the work context. There just has to be that zero tolerance. And you know, I mean, even we've you know, we don't need to go down the rabbit hole. We've seen we've seen lots of stuff in the press these last couple of weeks that you know we, uh, hopefully uh, we're seeing that shift that that people are having that zero tolerance.
1: Well, I think we're seeing um, it's it's World Cup at the moment. Um, and we had those three players um, at the Euros, Rashford, Sancho and Saka, who missed the pen- penalties and, you know, had horrendous racial abuse um, following those penalties. And it's interesting now that Rashford um, scored a couple of times during one of the matches recently. And, you know, and he was quoted as saying that actually, you know, he's still waiting for that racial abuse to come um so yeah I think I think there is work to be done absolutely but it was great to hear from Paul it's great to hear about his book um and to understand his journey around banter and how it's changed for him fab so we're going on to episode five um
0: Annika this was this is one that you uh you've got a little moment for us have
1: you absolutely so um yeah let's take a listen
0: You know we we've been talking today also about like fatigue and so you know you're trying to be mentally ready for for what you're for what you're doing and that impact that 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 bias has had then on your kind of day-to-day
6: yeah it it definitely was sometimes you wouldn't it was really hard to talk about certain things at the time okay um just like i mean aside from that there was you know I'd walk into the high pack with a new hairstyle because I've got afro hair so I'd have my hair out someone would say something they try to touch it and I'm like why are you touching my hair for you're not even asking I don't know where your hands have been why are you doing this yeah or it would be we'd be talking about cultural differences and someone would try to interject who's not black and instead of just asking questions like oh I didn't know that could you share more they would be like oh well I've eaten that or I've I've been there or I can get down with the lingo and it's just like mm. now is not the time <laughs> like mm. you don't have God. to force it it's okay to say you don't know and just ask questions like it's fine you don't need to tend to be someone that you're not so I think I struggled with that in those moments where you're not always surrounded by people who are like you
1: So I thought it would be worthwhile listening to this part again because um, I think Annika really talked passionately about her experience and, and, and it specifically I was thinking about it um, about when somebody was t- about touching her hair and we've had just recently um, Buckingham Palace um, and Ngozi Folani who founded Sister Space, which is a, um, a charity that um, helps Black and African women in cases of domestic violence, um, and, they, and they, the Buckingham Palace invited her um, to an event, and then um, it, a whole sort of row has erupted since, but part of that was that um, one of the palace aides moved her hair to look at her name badge. Which I just think is just remarkable, you know in this day and age and and Annika was there talking about it. It's happened to her previously and and now I mean literally it's happening now as well. Um, and people just aren't learning that you just don't touch people's hair.
0: I mean you, I'm speechless because when you say it, you're like, how is that how is how is that okay in anybody's mind? like you know touching someone without permission is not okay and I just I I, I'm almost at a loss and I I think you know Annika also goes on to say you know it's okay not to know everything but if you don't know everything ask the questions you know educate yourself and learn and that's really really important um but not to take, you know, not. Uh, I'm still, I'm still kind of reeling at at people kind of thinking it's okay to touch people inappropriately, you know, without asking. But yeah, I think, I think the big learning that then um, follows on from that is if you don't know, ask the question. So, episode six, the final episode of the season, where we really got into the swing of being little co-hosts together. <laughs> um. So we saw Jacko, and that was so Jacko being a Paralympian, the military background as well. And this was very much focused on kind of mental and physical health and the kind of balance of the two. So let's listen to the um, section that we um, took as our kind of key moment.
1: And one in four of us in the UK will suffer from poor mental health at any one time, and the numbers are just, you know, astonishing. Um, and I suppose one of the questions uh, back to you, I suppose, Jacko, is, you know, what what are your thoughts for the future? How are you going to stay for you for you to stay mentally strong?
7: Yeah, no, it's a wonderful question, but and I I 100% agree as well with what you've just said. There there's no doubt. And especially speaking for myself and experience for myself is it's, it's the times when I'm injured or it's the times when I can't train, or even it's the times when I, my body actually needs a rest. Cause obviously I'm on a, on a much higher level of as a professional athlete. And sometimes my body calls for a rest, which is perfectly fine, but it is those times that when I'm not training or I'm forced and I'm in a position not to train uh, out of my own will that, I, I truly suffer the most, or I truly, yes, yeah, feel I definitely don't feel the same as the days that I do train, and the days that I can just get a little bit of fresh air. And again, like I say, it doesn't have to be to my extreme. It doesn't have to be X amount of hours on a bike. It could be from walking. It can be from swimming. Uh, my wife um, recently you speak, spoke to a friend of hers, and she's like she started taking up swimming because of her little daughter Uh, while she was swimming lessons. She thought, well, she must make, you know, just make the most of the time in any way and started swimming. And she within the first week of actually just physically being active and doing something and getting her heart rate up a tiny bit, she couldn't believe Mm -hmm. how much it's changed herself as well. Um, And now she's absolutely 100% convinced of doing something. And like I said, whether that's, a 15-minute swim while your, your 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 son or your daughter is doing lessons, or taking a 20-minute walk, whatever it might be. There, it, it is so good for the body to be active, for the mind to be to be physically a- active as well, and getting fresh air and oxygen. So
0: I really like that. Um... You know, Jack is really open and honest about his mental and physical well-being or health like being very linked um but equally that you know what if he doesn't if he isn't super active then sometimes his mental health does dip a little bit and I think it's really easy for all of us to sit here and then think oh well I can't do that because you know he's an Olympic athlete a uh, Paralympic athlete you know he's he's done all of these challenges but then he's just like he just brings it back to basics which we love um on this podcast and he says you know what like whatever is the challenge for you you know that that's okay but like break it down you know you don't need to be going and saying i'm going to do everest tomorrow it could just be the walk around the park it could just be getting yourself out for a swim like his friend has started doing
1: yeah it absolutely does i love the way he talks about sometimes it's just needing fresh air to help his mental health and i think you know that can just we can all relate to that can't we you know as part of COVID, you know, just even that that one walk a day that we used to have was so useful to our, our mental health. Um, and, and I loved around the our discussions around his book, actually, because his book starts off with, there's an avalanche, you know, and it grips you from the start and, you you know, and it's, it's a fascinating conversation. And for me, it really proved that you didn't have to be that Olympic athlete to be able to have good mental health and have physical health at the same time.
0: And for me, it's really good how he doesn't let what happened in Afghanistan hold it back. You know, it's actually just spurred him on for the future and what an inspiration.
1: Yeah, and he shows that, you know, when he talked about his wife um, being his support system, I think, you know, that that can um, be a good lesson to all of us, actually. We can't do things on our own when, you know, our mental health, is at stake, then we need to call on the support of others. So, Tash, what's coming
0: up in season two? Oh my goodness, season two is gonna be as good, if not better, but no shade to our guests from season one. Um, I mean, you know, we've had some brilliant people, and yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been a learning curve, I'm not gonna lie. Um But season two, I think, you know, we're talking um, very hot topics, things that people, things that people have kind of messaged us about to talk about. So we've got things like menopause, um, Gen Zedders, if that's a word. Yeah, we've
1: got uh, labelling, a really great one talking about psychological safety and labels, haven't we, coming up and and, and the modern family as well, which is awesome and um yes there's one actually which is interesting around um having a parent who is in prison and the impact that that can have on your life which was fascinating
0: yeah I think that's probably my standout podcast I mean I was probably an emotional wreck afterwards but um I think that that's definitely um definitely one to one to listen out for i think jason is incredibly open and honest um, and yeah look forward to sharing that episode as well you can find us on twitter our handles are in the show notes below and if you've liked what you've heard please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically thanks for listening